Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Weff. And it's going to be a little bit of a lonely show um, this week. There's just two of us doing it. Um, yeah, Andrew, I got an early morning message from Tim. Early morning for us. Uh, I think for him it's still the same night. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But he's a rock star or punk star, quite literally in Vancouver. You know, he's uh, he has a second life, um, and yeah. I don't mean his life as a financial accountant. I actually mean his punk rock uh, lifestyle. And <laughs> apparently, he's still out. Um, didn't make it home in time for the podcast at six forty-three in the morning, West Coast time right now. So, um, yeah, Andrew, it's just the two of us. Um, let us go through those topic work. Quick, um, I mean, you and Tumen again. We're going to chat about that in a moment. We have some Champions League results already. Um, not so great results to talk about. We'll get into that. Um, outlook on the Europa League. Russian Premier League update. Um, this will be a big segment on, on Spartak Moscow. I wish Tim was here. Actually, now I know why Tim is not here, to be quite frank. <laughs> Let's be honest. The start lifestyle is one thing. But I think deep down, it's uh, it's no coincidence that he's not here for a certain certain change going yeah. on in his club. Eh? The, I, have you seen his Instagram profile change? I mean, that says it all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, uh, I I I, I didn't. I'll be honest. I haven't even looked because I thought it could be quite um, yeah, quite quite deep and dark. But oh, that's okay. Um, I I'll talk about this. It's fun. Um, <laughs> and then, um, we have, we have the Ruben Kazan, uh, financial fair play thing to discuss, Andrew. So lots, lots to discuss this week. Um, but I want to start with what, what are you doing? I, I, I hear you once again at a football game. Um, last well, time I checked, human were not in the Champions League. So I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, you know, it's on the long path towards the Champions League for my local uh-huh. side. First, we've actually got to not get relegated to the third tier. and uh-huh. Then we've got to get promoted to the top tier. Um, it's actually a very big game today in the Fenel, in the second tier. Uh, Road to Volgograd, who are unbeaten in about eight or nine games, um, but are still relatively low down the table, um, are facing us, two men. We're now back in the relegation zone. Um, just in case anybody... 
uh, hasn't, for some strange reason, followed the, the Football National League, the second tier in Russia. Two men were scandalously denied, possibly... If I wasn't a Tumen supporter, I would say hilarious, but I am, so I'm going to say utterly despicable, refereeing decision last weekend away to Himki, where the player went down about five yards after he had gone past the defender. Uh, referee discussed it with the linesman and gave a penalty, and we lost. And that has put us back in the relegation zone, hence tonight is a very, very important game. So th- did the player fall over a mole mound? Uh, do they even still care of the field and at Himki? Well, it was, I mean, Himki, yes, um, is yet another reason to hate the word Himki. We, we, we love Himki, the, the arena and the surrounding area and the transport links to it, don't we, Manny? Yeah. Um, well, now, yes, it was, oh, I, I don't even know how to describe it, slapstick comedy, perhaps. Um, you know, but when players go down in the box nowadays and VAR is on hand, then sure, you know, technology can wheedle out some mistakes. I don't know what anybody could possibly do other than acknowledge that Himki have in some way, let's say, had a conversation with the referee. Um, any lawyers listening, just watch the video and you're not going to sue me, I promise. <laughs> yeah, uh, Himki, the, the light and wonderful basis of much of what we do, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I was reminded by a social media company the other day that we went there uh, three years ago together. Just yesterday, I think, um, you know, all the way out. I think you had to catch a cab, um, to, was it Domodevo well, or Shemitovo? One of the two big airports. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Shermetova, actually. It was the first time I'd been to that airport as well. I always go through Domodedova. Um, and yeah, we went out to the lovely baking hot Himki with the brilliant connections and, and, and phone signal and the lot. And of course, great taxi service that there was. Ah, oh, fun memories there. My favorite memory of that is the, the taxi driver's utter disgust, uh, when they, when he comes up to us and tries to offer us a ride back to Moscow for 5,000 rubles. And we're just like pointing at our phone and telling him that we have <laughs> Yandex. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's sort of, I, I, okay, I will admit that sometimes I will admire a bit of artistry in people trying to rip you off with taxes, but that was just ridiculous. If you're going to try and scam us out of money, try and at least do it well with some vague judgment. 5,000 rubles was just absolutely mad, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, anyway. Yandex. <laughs> ah, yes, you used your intelligence there. Well done. <laughs> that said, it was a was a very uh, late night. I think I, I crawled back into my hotel room at 3 o'clock in the morning and that was not because we went out uh, boozing after. That was just because it takes forever to get back to Himki. So, yeah, Himki, um, the, craze, the place of great memories. What stays in Himki better stays there. Um, <laughs> yeah, not for good reasons. <laughs> not for good reasons. But I'm looking at this table. Um, I love doing the little bit of an FNL update. Um, human really does need that win there. Um, you're playing a Roto Volga crowd, of course, a club that especially, uh, I mean, Manchester United supporters will remember them, right? Back from when they were in the glory days and they actually beat Manchester United. I think Peter Schmeichel was in goal then. That's how long ago that is. Um, yeah, no, in, not just in goal, but scored as well. That's right. <laughs> at Old Trafford. He, he actually, it was, it was maintained Manchester United's unbeaten home record in Europe for I think it was about 20 years up to that point. It was something extraordinary. Um, 
but it wasn't enough. And the mighty Rose of Volgograd from toppling Manchester United, which admittedly nowadays wouldn't be that difficult, um, are now probably going to lose to Chimen. Funny, that. Yeah, it is funny. You, you would be on 21 points. You would be jumping out of the relegation zone. Um I love the FNL. There's so many cool stories there. And I, you look at some of the clubs that are in there. Um, it's just, it's just a fascinating league all around. Um, and I see <laughs> some delight that Tom Toms got first in the league still. Um, are they going to last the full season if they get promoted, Andrew? Well, to be honest with you, it's so hard to say. And I'm not just sitting on the fence to say that, but one of the things you point out is very true. The, the FNL is a, such an interesting league because honestly any, one club one year can be right up there at the top of the table and the next season they can be right down the bottom I used Fakul Vodonia as an yeah. example two seasons ago they were in the playoff area for most of the season um, and last season they actually were in the relegation zone but like Chumen were saved by other clubs either going out of business or going or ceasing to exist altogether um, so it can change just like that Tom Tomps were fairly fairly dreadful for most of their season in the top flight two seasons ago and um, I think most people would be surprised to see them up there but the thing is if you remember Manny right towards the end of that season when Tom Tom's were relegated they started using a lot of their young players and they actually put one or two decent results mm. together and that's the basis of the team that is now not entirely but largely uh, is is dominating the Faniel so I'd probably say yes, I think they will stay there or thereabouts. Um, but anybody betting, just don't bet on the funny out because no matter how much you think you know the seat, the teams, the league, it will change in an instant. Yeah, I guess it's because there's low budget teams means there's a lot of turnover in players, right? I think that's just really, that's really why you see so much fluctuation. Another example would be Baltica Kaliningrad, a team that looked very much um, like a, a side that could maybe challenge for promotion at some point, and they they ride down in the in the relegation battle as well. So yeah, they last season they finished one place outside the promotion places, yeah. um, and they they really did. They looked a good side, but they sold um, their best striker Sebai. I think he's an Ivorian striker. Um, mm -hmm. And suddenly they're struggling again this season. Yeah, it's a good example. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, so, it's lots of fluctuation, right? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's frustrating at times, really, because, I mean, uh, Tim may sometimes snigger at me when I slightly go over the top of my praise for Chumen, but the fact is, Chumen is, it's got all the ingredients to, to be promoted, and two or three years ago, we were only about six points off the playoffs and drew an infuriating number of games, so that level of progression should see Chumen being at least playoff contenders every year, but we're, we're struggling again now simply because the margins are so, so fine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, that's the frustrating part. Just when you think you're building momentum, you get promotion up into the FNAL and that's the, and don't forget, of course, for, for a lot of people, they won't grasp quite how big a deal that is because you go from regional leagues, which can in the third tier can contain in the far East, there's only uh, six or seven teams. I think it is. Um, and you've got teams playing in front of, you know, two or three hundred people and suddenly you're playing against teams that have dropped down the likes of Dinamo Moscow and Jumahajkala. These teams have been in the division. Um, that's how big a step it is. And when you think you're making progress, just one lack of investment, one investor saying, ah, I've had enough or I'm cutting funding or the, more likely 
the regional government decides to cut funding. And that's it. That's changed your team, no matter how good the coaching is or how good the preparation is. So there are frustrations. Yeah. I I can see that. I think that's that's just life of second division. I remember doing my my PhD research and even back then, uh, when you know when I looked at the nineties and the early two thousands of the second division, there were there were reports, old newspaper articles about how teams didn't have enough money to to take the buses, um, to drive to away games. It's I think this is something that's never going to change. Um, the the lifestyle of a second division club in in Russian football is just really harsh. Um, and there's so much fluctuation on players coming and going. And I think that that's the really, the, you know, you really see that it really falls off in quality, doesn't it? When, when you get into FNL. And then of course, if you, you mentioned if you're a big club going down, that's just, um, yeah. That just means that if you say Dynamo Moscow, when they went down, that means uh, there's only one promotion stop really available left, right, from the FNL, and that can throw a bunch of plans up in the air. Um, so it's it's really interesting competition in a lot of ways, but it's also I think it's really frustrating for for fans of that competition. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's uh, I, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I think about a year or two ago, Saul Pope wrote a brilliant article on yeah. footballgrad.com, which I wholeheartedly agreed with about a proposal for restructuring, well, basically the entire Russian league, mostly Fennel downwards. And something that drastic is the only thing that would actually make a tangible change. Like you say, it's the nature of this league, unless things change. And change in a positive way in Russian football, as, as we know from painful experience, man, is, uh, well, it's a rare luxury, should we say. Um, but anyway, for the now, for the time being, at least, I've got to pray that other teams above us fall and Chimen will finally regain their rightful place in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree. Um, not sure how I'm going to do this transition, Andrew. Premier League... Champions League. There we go. There we go. I got the same word. League will do. If people don't like something, they'd listen to a different podcast. That's how we Champions League is. Yeah. Champions League. Andrew, um, CSKA Moscow, you were there a few weeks ago. It was a fantastic game against um, Real Madrid. And, um, you know, I think playing in Moscow, and this is, I went on the Roma part, um, just a couple of days ago, Roma press part, fantastic podcast organized by John Solano. If you haven't listened to it, um, give it a listen. And I said to him, look, this is going to be a very different proposition for, for, for CSKA Moscow because playing at home in Moscow is, is always easier. Uh, it's a lot more difficult for teams traveling there too, right? The distances and all that. Um, and then it, it's almost a reverse effect for, for CSKA Moscow, any of the Russian teams traveling. Um, that's why you get often very lopsided results. We saw that already last year with Spartak, for example, doing very well at home against Liverpool and getting absolutely destroyed um, in Liverpool. Now, CSKA Moscow against Roma. Um, 3-0. Eden Cheko was brilliant, wasn't he? Well, he he's a fantastic striker. And what he, what he brings that a lot of Russian teams just simply don't have is that very, very rare ability to finish off almost any chance that comes his way. Um, he's 
he was always very undervalued in England when he played for Manchester City, and he never really he never really yeah. got a regular first first team spot, which I always found bizarre because you know if you the way I like to rate strikers is if you were a defender, who would you least like to play against? And you know some people might might say somebody who's just lightning quick off the mark, but I would say Jacko because he's a very intelligent mm. mover. And you know full well, you give him half a yard, he will finish any chance you give him, basically. Um, I think the problem, one of the problems last night for me, Manu, was that, you know, Tisco Moscow are playing, well, they have been playing for many years, three at the back. And this season, Cordo Magnusson and Rodrigo Bacau and, um, well, either Kadil Nabakin or Nikita Chornov, whoever's fit, basically. Um, they've been playing quite well, but again, it's that old problem of playing in Russian league. They're playing well. They're playing against a totally different pace, a totally different level of footballing intelligence. I mean, that sounds horrible, kind of is in a way, but, um, you come up against Roma in the Stadio Olimpico. And I think the sense of occasion, like you mentioned, you come away from home, that sense of occasion very rarely happens in Russian football. Uh, possibly if you go mm. to the Kostovsky in St. Petersburg or a local Moscow derby. But e- even a local Moscow derby, I think, has a different feel. The Olympico is an absolutely enormous stadium. There's so much volume to the place. You know, it's, that's where European Cup finals have been held there. And it's, it's just the sheer scale of the place. And that's something that I think probably just got the better of them. Uh, simply. Magnuson has only come back from injury recently as well, so I think um, well, Rodrigo Bacau has basically been leading the back line, and he's done a very good job, but when his partners are changing all the time, I think that possibly didn't help. Um, there wasn't a great deal of marking for at least one of the goals, so I think it's, I'm clutching at straws here maybe, but Roma are a different class, so not unexpected really. No, no, I... I... I think I even said that Roma will win this one um, comfortably. Um, I just think it's a very different proposition when you're traveling for, for Russian Cups than when you're playing at home. And uh, CSKA also played this uh, game against um, Real Madrid at the Lushniki, right? So the the atmosphere was just absolutely... I mean, you know, you were there. It was... Oh, man, it was just one of those... It, you, there's nothing to say. Your breath is taken away by it. And I'm not exaggerating. It was, I honestly think, the entire move to Delushniki was pretty much designed for that Real Madrid game. And it works like an absolute dream. It was the intensity of it, the, the sheer, the, the gradient of the stands, so steep. And yeah. the, you know, it's the World Cup final was there. And that will be playing through the minds of, well, Rafael Varane, for example, for one. Um, but also, you know, they, it's just such an iconic stadium. And the VEB Arena, I'm a huge fan of and does have great acoustics. And it is the, obviously, the permanent home of Tiersko Moscow. But it was a genius move to move to Lushniki for this. Um, and, yeah, I, well, the return game for Roma in Lushniki, I think that one's going to be intriguing because I don't think it will be a sellout, certainly not as high in attendance as Real Madrid. So I'm wondering whether that slight, whether that edge might be taken off the, off the, the atmosphere. I don't know whether that, how much that will play into Roma's minds either. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, the, it's the sense of occasion seems to be playing a big part in this group already. 
ja, in two weeks CSKA Moscow hosting um, Roma at the Lushniki. I, I'm excited for that match, Andrew, because uh, Roma is one of those teams that I really enjoy watching in, in Europe. And um, I think they've, they have under, um, under Monchi, um, they've done a very good job at rebuilding this club yeah. and um, the players that they're bringing in. I mean, we've talked about Edin Dzeko, but there's so many players and the young players that they identify and bringing in. Uh, it's it's just incredible, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this game in Moscow because I think it's going to be a very different proposition entirely. Bigger stadium, as you said, um, a completely di- different atmosphere. And I uh, I just also you know I talked to John about this uh, from the Roma press part. They don't like traveling very much. <laughs> they, they, especially coming to Eastern Europe, they're, they're not a fan of it. And so it will be fascinating because I think this game could be very much turned on its head. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one other factor, um, without wanting to be too downcast and negative about it is the, the events before the game last night. I think we kind of have yeah. to just at least acknowledge and touch upon, um, the, well, accident, very serious accident in the underground in Rome, which left, I think it was 20 CSKA Moscow fans quite seriously injured. Um, it, you know, and then there were reports of, uh, of a stabbing outside the Stadio Olimpico. Um, it's just it's such an uncomfortable edge that you hope isn't going to be brought into the return game. And I, I, I don't want to focus on it, but I think we have to acknowledge it because it will play on the minds of the CSKA Moscow fans. I just hope that they will focus more on making sure everybody gets back okay and and the, the return game is is about the football because it's it that's what it should be. Um, and I hope the atmosphere will be intense for the right reasons. Yeah, also I want to extend my thoughts to all the traveling CSKA fans, those, those pictures of the escalator going berserk because it's no better way to describe it um we're absolutely horrible and um the, the people that got injured I, I hope they get better very quickly um the stabbing incidents is unfortunately a reality that you always have to deal with with italian football and i i hope that they one way or another can sooner or later figure this out because um i mean andrew if it was the other way around how much would we be talking about that eh that's um well, I mean, it's it's always, uh, you know, it's always on the back of our minds as followers and appreciators of Russian football. Unfortunately, that's just the nature of stigma that is attached to a footballing culture. And and you know, you mentioned that. Well, it's a worry with Italian football. It's 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 not it's not the vast majority of Italian fans. I mean, in fact, right now the Chiman match just kicked off, and my colleague in the press box, Sergey, he is. He is a lifelong Roma fan himself. He will be in the Lushniki, um, in two weeks time. And, you know, they, he, he's in contact with a lot of fan groups being, you know, a Roma fan living abroad. And the, the vast majority of them are, are just, well, the most intense for a brilliant reason. Mm. But there, there are a number of incidents that it's not only Italian football, but there are some in Italian football. I just hope that the fan show of both sides, Let's say, let's say show a sense of maturity and intelligence over this. They know that, yes, there are some horrifically violent people in all cultures of football, but don't hold every Roma fan accountable for one or two, um, one or two violent folks. That's all I can hope. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, Andrew, I also want to talk about the, the other match that involved, uh, your noisy neighbors in Manchester. Um, I, I covered yeah. this game for, for football grad and, um, I have to say, uh, this is, this was a repeat from last year, Schachter, Manchester City. They were in yeah. the Champions League group last year as well. And just like last year, there were lots of fireworks. Those are two teams when they play each other. I mean, Schachter for me, what Paulo Fonseca is doing in Ukraine with that club is marvelous. His continued the work that uh, Luchesko has, has started and very much, I mean, Mircea Luchesko built this club out of nothing, turned it in what it is today. But Paulo Fonseca has, has added a further element to it. They play such great football and unfortunately for them, they can't help themselves when it comes to playing bigger sides because they just, they just play their football. And yesterday they run into a little bit of a knife. Um, just, just to stay with that because they just, um, their, their attacking approach, and I wrote this in the match report, means that they're very much open. And when you play against a team like Pep Guardiola, that just will hurt you. And that's exactly what happened last night. I mean, uh, Manchester City, and I, it was great to watch. For I think for both groups of fans, it's great to watch when both teams go at it like mm. this. But if you were Manchester City, you'd be just, I think you'd just be rubbing your hands because... Most of the time when play teams play Pep Guardiola, right? They try to get 11 man behind the ball and quickly hit them on the, on the transition game. But, um, Schachter are just not wired that way. And so, um, it was just this open affair and three goals for Manchester City. In truth, it could have been maybe four or five. David Silva, absolutely fantastic. A great player to watch. Uh, Maris missed a couple as well and, yeah, I, I think that Schachter Donetsk, maybe there's a little bit of a learning curve for them there. Uh, I I personally think they still have a chance yeah. of getting out of this group because the other game, uh, Olympic Lyon against Hoffenheim ended 3-3. It's a great group. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love the point you've made there about teams going at each other because the, I mean, I, I saw some highlights of the, the Hoffenheim game and yeah. it was just like this entire group is pure gung-ho football. I mean, for neutral, it is great to watch. But, you know, the point you make about, about Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, they, it, it's, it's such an impossible decision. How do you approach playing against them? Because, like you say, the default option of many teams is sit back. And that's, in one sense, is practically guaranteeing a, an onslaught of some of the finest, most intelligent attacking players in the world. Um, and then the other option that some people go for, and occasionally it pays off in spectacular fashion, because Manchester City's defence is is vulnerable. Um, Vincent Company is a is a fine defender, but he is slightly error prone. He doesn't have the most uh, the greatest amount of pace. Um, John Stones is still developing. Um, Nicholas Otamendi is is well rash in the challenge, should we say at times? Um, but when they're not pressured. They look a much more solid defense than they actually are. The, but that's the that's the balance, isn't it? Yeah. Do you go for them all out like Shakhtar did and leave yourself exposed? If you do, you've got to have the full complement of players who can play quick, instinctive football that can react to whatever shape Guardiola will set up Manchester City in. Um, like you say, this group though, I mean, it's it's turning out to be. I have to say, at the beginning of the draw. I reckon most neutrals, man, who would have looked at that draw and thought, wow, Manchester City will go through. And, look, I mean, this is going to be disparaging. 
you know, Leon, Shakhtar and Hoffenheim, two outsiders and neutrals, will probably think that's not the most exciting group. But in fact, I think this might turn out to be an absolute gem. So I think I think people should keep their eye on this this group. But Shakhtar have the ability, certainly. Um, and like you say, Fonseca to carry on the legacy of an undisputed club legend, that is such a hard thing to do. It doesn't matter where you are, what country, what league, what football yeah. culture. You carry on the legacy and redevelop it into a modern version like he has then yeah, full yeah, full credits him. But um yeah, it's a shame for me on, on two levels, the football grad level and the and the Manchester level about last night. But Manchester City, they're they're a good side. Yeah, they're a very Bye. good side. Um it, it was a fun game to cover, that's for sure, even though Schachter lost. But yeah, um from covering games in the Champions League, a little bit of an outlook to the Europa League. Um, and I'm going to do a brilliant transition there. Wait for that. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, not quite. It's yet, got the word league. It's, it's it has, got the word league. No, no. Uh, it, it will happen later on. It, it will happen. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, from the Champions League to the Europa League. There you go. That's a good one already. Yes. But there will be an even better transition later on. You'll wait for it. Wait for it. Anyways, um, you did the preview for Sydney against Chirondo Bordeaux. Um, you see, I spent a week in France. I can say it now perfectly. Um, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, I, I probably butchered it to be frank, but um, uh, outlook there, Andrew. Um, not all is nice and happy at Sydneyland at the moment. Well, no, it's this is one of the beauties of doing a little bit of research preparing the preview because if you look at the statistics then Zanit should absolutely walk all over Bordeaux in this. They have equaled the longest current standing unbeaten home record in the group stages of the Europa League. 20 matches they've gone in group stage football of Europa League without being beaten. And I think only one or possibly two of those have actually been draws. Uh, the last major, major result, of course, in the qualifiers was that, in fact, well, it wasn't actually at the Krzysztofski, it was at the Petrovsky, wasn't it? The 8-1 mm. against the Hammer Minsk. Um, long story short, there are goals in the Zenit team. But, and this is where you say it's not quite as rosy as it may seem in Zenit land, but of course there is still the absence of a certain Mr. Kokorin. There is the fact that they have now lost two of their last three away games in the league, and not to great teams either. There is also the fact that in the last game in Europa League at home against Slavia Prague, where I was reporting from the stadium, uh, they looked completely devoid, completely bereft of any ideas. Slavia Prague dominated possession, shots, shots on target. They hit the bar at least once, and somehow, somehow, they came away with a win, ironically, from that man, Kukorin, who is now uh, indisposed, shall we say. So, that's this on each side. The Bordeaux side is is equally t- <laughs> equally traumatic. Should we say yeah. <laughs> they, um, they there's a, a delayed slash failed takeover bid from American investors. They sold Malcolm, of course, in the summer. Uh, that bizarre, well, I say bizarre transfer. The, it is a I bizarre transfer. He's sitting on the bench at Barcelona now, Andrew. How ironic is that? You know, how yeah. ironic is that? He says, "Oh, go on in Barcelona in for me," without actually thinking about his career. Um, they lost Malcolm there. They've lost um, other players. 
causing Gus Poye to have that brilliant press conference outburst. Um, press conference outbursts at the moment are, are turning into quite the football grad network thing, aren't they, Manny? <laughs> yes, they are. uh, <laughs> so, I mean, just, just in case anybody is, is interested in drama, please, please listen to the latest Gagan Pressing podcast covering the Bayern Munich oh, don't be nasty to us, press conference. Um, I have to say, it's it's brilliant, brilliant viewing and listening. But yes, um, Bordeaux have those troubles as well. Um, they're only seventh, I think, in Ligue 1. Um, so, really, it's, it's quite hard to call this one, Manu. I mean, do you have a gut instinct about how Zanit will do tomorrow? I think <laughs> I, I think they have a good chance of winning this game um, just because of Bordeaux's own troubles. But um, you never know. I mean, they've lost to Dynamo Moscow um, to give a little bit of a precursor of what we're going to talk later. Um, so you never know, right? I, I think that everything is possible in this game. But I think they should win this one um, at home at yeah. the Kristofsky. Yeah, that should be three points in the back, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... I think three I think points. Probably, I, I think you're probably right there, Manny. I mean, for all the drama that... I mean, we may be slightly guilty there of marginally over-egging the, the drama. Um, there is inconsistency there. But yeah. I think I think the fact is that there is there is some strange sort of confidence that I could, I could sense, even though they were outplayed against Slavia Prague, they weren't frenzied or throwing passes out of you know, out of play. They weren't sort of hurrying themselves thinking, oh, what do we do now? They were just simply, they were playing slightly the wrong system. They weren't, they weren't playing with enough pace and, you know, lo and behold, they bring on a strike with a bit more pace in Kukorin and they had that chance, a wonderful through ball from Leandro Paredes. So, um, it wasn't like they felt completely out of control. They just simply needed to keep going, keep it firm. Um, I think the lesson they should learn from that is they need to use their best attacking players um, to their full strength. Mm. The defence is not the strong point. There is a lack of pace there with Ivanovic and, and Nieto, um in the middle. And I suspect possibly um, uh, Anyukov might play simply for rotation. So you've got quite an old backline there. Um, and Bordeaux have some pace in their front line. Um, Jan Karamo I picked out as a player to watch he's lightning quick so instead of focusing on the defence I think they should do well what Jose Mourinho has done at Manchester United for about 5 or 10 minutes in the last 2 or 3 games and just go hell for leather I think they really should um, you've got the likes of Marquisio and Paredes supplying passes um, I think there is and Sebastian Giussi always certainly will be playing full 90 minutes He's suspended for the next league game. You know, you've got pace, you've got ability. Use it, is my advice. Yes, here's what I'm going to do now, Andrew. I'm going to take our our agenda and rip it upside down. Um, it's a need lost against Dinamo Moscow. You know, and that's is that that in you know this this is important in this context. And I mean, as we might as well stay with Zenit here for a moment before we move over to our next. Uh, to the next team in Europa League. Um, it's only six points now, and I say only six points because it's match day 11, and this is, this was around the time when everything imploded for them last year. 
Uh, I saw a bunch of tweets and comments that the defeat to Dynamo Moscow has blown open the league. Do you think that's actually what happened? Is the league all of a sudden open again? Are teams, I mean, I look at the table right now, Krasnodar, CSKA Moscow, Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, Rostov, Ruben Kazan, Spartak, um, they are only six, seven points behind. Um, mm -hmm. That's how tight it is behind the behind Zenit. Do you think that result will have done enough to really blow up that league? Hey, in one word, no, basically. Um, I think it was a chance to blow open the, the title race, but other than Tesco getting a decent result away from home, the others blew their chance as well. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I think it has possibly given the other teams a... A sniff of hope, perhaps. They've seen that Zenit are vulnerable, they can be beaten, and that they are liable to slip up. This is, like you mentioned, the November curse almost of Zenit. They always stumble around this period. Some people say it's because of European commitments. I personally think it's a psychological thing. I don't think it's, I don't put it down to their added workload because it's the cold. also. <laughs> Well, if, if, oh, oh. All, all the South Americans are freezing. <laughs> they, if they want to know cold, they should come and play in Western Siberia. The softies. St. Petersburg weather cold. Honestly, they don't know how lucky they've got. Yeah, but it's a wet cold, Andrew. It's a wet cold. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's what, that's what St. Petersburg types will tell you to try and make themselves feel a bit harder. Like, oh, look at us. We're freezing in this minus five degrees. Come and get th minus 35 degrees in Tumen and then, then come back to me about what's cold in St. Petersburg types, honestly. In fairness, now, in, in fairness, coldest game I've ever experienced was in St. Petersburg and it was only about minus five, but that was, that wetness on top of it is brutal. Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, you know, it, it is, it is a factor that does play into it. And, okay, Mano, I'm going to shock you right now. I'm going to compliment the organization of the Russian Premier League because this year they have finally, finally tweaked that we're actually going to play just one or two more games at the end of November further down south. Brilliant, isn't it? They've actually worked it out. That's you know, it's cool. only a lesson that's already been learnt from, you know, decades ago in the Soviet Union, but hey, at least they're finally cottoning on. But no, I mean, Manny, title race, you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and that actually gives, me, that's a great transition right there, because we can talk about Krasnodar and how they lost <laughs> 1-0 to Ahmad Grosny ahead of their Europa League match. See what I did there? Absolutely I, brilliant. I you did. Manny, this is, this is just absolute genius. I'm, I'm, I'm loving how smooth and professional this all is. <laughs> it's so, so pre-planned. Um, yeah. Okay. You know what? Krasadar, they are, they are the team that people should be watching in the long term, but in the short term, that was a really interesting result that Ahmed Grosny at yeah. home because Ahmed looked so incredibly well prepared. Um, I mean, Rashid Rakhimov coming back after his health scare a year or so ago is is works absolutely wonders for them. Ahmad are, you know, we've always looked at them as one of those very difficult sides to beat at home, but not desperately expansive away from home. But they they suddenly looked like a side that could possibly put a few results together and challenge for Europe. I mean, I say that with 
uh, a hint of, of caution because they, they are always a team that tails off in the second part yeah. of the season. But, um, when, when they can get the best out of Bernard Berisha out wide, and, and he is a man with the most powerful thighs in Russian football. He runs like an absolute metronome. Um, and he can get the crosses in. You've got, you can go for the big lump up front with Beckham Balai, or you can go pace with Able and Bengi. They, they have different options there. But, you know, Oleg Ivanov has, I think, been a very, very quietly impressive player this season. He's been slightly more withdrawn, less of an attacking midfielder, more of a, controlling player and he's a big guy he's a good six foot three at least um they, they look good man yeah yeah um that that's the question do krasnodar look good enough to challenge for the title and are they good enough to beat standard leash in leash at one of my favorite stadiums in europe and people will be saying what standard stadium in in europe is his favorite <laughs> that's because i i remember i used to live in amsterdam and when you in when you go to the standard games um, Leash is a coal mining town, right? Lüttich, as it's called. Uh, I think in German, maybe even in Flemish as well. Um, you can see the, the there's, there's, there's the smokestacks that are in the one corner of the stadium, and uh, they spit fire. Uh, it's very cool on an October, November night in the Europa League. It's kind of spooky, and they call the fittingly they call the Red Devils, um, like nice. a few other teams, right? That we know. Um, but yeah, it's, that's going to be, an, I think that's going to be a fascinating game. Uh, you know, and I think that Krasnodar is, is going to find it maybe very difficult to play there, Andrew. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they, I think the fact that Standard Liege have not made great impressions in Europe. Um, they've only got out of the group stage once in four attempts, but they are, like you say, they have an interesting stadium. <laughs> that is, that's going to be something. Krasnodar Stadium, if anybody who hasn't seen it yet, is absolutely spectacular. Like a Coliseum-style grand arena, and it's obviously brand new. It's got a, a huge scoreboard around the inside of it. It's all very clean cut. And the atmosphere you just described, you know, it, it's a smaller capacity, I'm assuming. Um, yeah. And with that sort of, you know, that little edge, that little extra bit of color, that extra bit of fire and noise, that might play into their minds. Um and Krasadar, well, that result against Ahmad will have slightly unsettled them because, you know, the path they've been taking this season under Murad Musayev has been really, really promising, especially with the way that the youngsters have had a few minutes to make an impression, like um, Magomed Shapi Suleimanov, one of my favorite yeah. named players of all time. Um, they will have a few doubts in their mind. And in the first game of the group stage away in Turkey to Akhisar, Krasnodar were relatively unimpressive. They mm. were they were in control. They weren't in danger, but they didn't look threatening. And if Standard take the game to them, they might they might have to just simply back against the wall and block them out, which is not really Krasnodar's style. They need to be able to attack on the front foot and push and use the talents of Victor Klass and Ari Wanderson, for example. Nice little side note, by the way, um, which I didn't realize until doing my research, but Wanderson, the Brazilian winger for Krasadar, his dad played for Standard Liège only, t only about 12 years ago. So, a bit of a family connection there as well. I think I knew that. Um, deep down, now that you mentioned it, it was there. But yeah, um, you mentioned a couple, couple of things there. Shapi Soleimanov, yeah. 
uh, amazing, amazingly named after a German dog food brand. I, I can't believe that that his parents actually went with that. That's brilliant. Um, and you mentioned turmoil and turmoil is wait for a great transition to talk about our next topic. Um, Sparta Who could you possibly be referring to? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Spartak, Spartak did it. Um, is, isn't that a Britney oh, Spears song? Oops, they did it again. Or, or was that, uh, yeah, I better leave it at that. But yeah, Spartak, they lost 3 2 to Arsenal Tula. And, um, that sounds bad, but they're still in that pack of teams, you know, from seventh to second. There's, they're only separated by one point. And only seven points behind Senate. And I say only because you never know what's going to happen with them. They lose that game days before they play Glasgow Rangers in Europa League. And that's when they decide. And we've just been through a two week international break, right? Where there's plenty of time to make a change like this. They, but no, no, but they decide to fire Massimo Carrera. Now the coach, uh, the coach that since being in the league, in the 70 matches that Massimo Carrera was in charge of Spartak Moscow, no team won more points in the RPL than him. But he's sacked nonetheless. I mean, Tim isn't here. I'm sure he's drinking away his sorrows. His Instagram profile is literally a picture of Massimo Carrera at the moment. Yeah. How much <laughs> stupidity has gone into this decision, Andrew? How Heavily can we weigh this I, in saying this was just plain stupid? Well, Manu, personally, I um, I shouldn't be shocked, but I still am. It's what we expect from Fidu. But I actually thought, finally, he's found a coach who is actually backing, who's won in the title, who... Now, let's... Okay, you know what? Let's, let's start from the beginning. This summer. Okay, so... Spartak Moscow finished third in the league last season. Okay, they didn't win the title again, but they were still qualified for um, Champions League qualifiers. Okay, they're still in Europe now. Um, Massimo Carrera has built something that Spartak fans have not had for a long time, which is a genuine connection to the supporters. Now, Fadun can sit there and say, oh, well, it's a results business, all he likes. But that is a very valuable thing. Um, he's brought through a few youngsters, and he's been forced to. In a, in a sense, he's not been backed in the transfer market. The idiocy of selling Quincy Promise on the last day of the transfer window and not having anybody yeah. at all, yet alone of a similar in. quality, yeah. to to replace it—it's just—I mean, that's just absolutely insane. Um, the whole debacle with John Terry. Well, okay, I had he signed, I would have said yes, fair enough, because we did talk about John Terry at, at length. It almost became the John Terry podcast for a week or two. Um, I actually do think that that could have worked out. Um, but you don't leave it till after the transfer window to have one shot at the only free transfer available player of, of re, you know, remotely the quality you need and leave yourself with just two fit central defenders. Um, and like you say, they're one point off second. Yeah, they're probably not going to win the title this season, but did they think they were going to anyway? You know, the start of the season, did they honestly think we genuinely have enough quality to overcome Zanid's squad. Not a chance in hell. I, I just, I can't see the Not logic. Selling Quincy Promise 
you know, remember the whole debacle when they wanted to sign Luan from uh, Gremio and then they ended up with Pedro Rocha? Mm. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was not yeah. Massimo Carrera. That was the, that was the ownership. And then the Terry, I mean, uh, personally, I think it's, uh, John Terry is coaching now, right? So, um, yeah, he's back, uh, back at Aston Villa coaching. Um, well, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could possibly, possibly go wrong there, no. Um, but I mean, Manu, look, we, we laugh about this, but this is, uh, this is just, I'm, again, I feel let down in some way. I'm not a Sparta fan. I, yeah. I hope they do well just for Tim's happiness and mental health, but, um, the fact, the fact that they finally seem to be getting it right. You know, they got a coach in who was a top quality mind. He'd connected with the players, with the fans. He'd won the title. Okay, fine. He didn't win it the second league, uh, second league in a row. Yes, they have lost three games at home in a row, which they haven't done for quite some time. Okay, sure. But for Christ's sake, look at why they lost the three games at home. Some Sparta fans have commented, uh, online that, well, he didn't show enough tactical flexibility. Well, I say that's a load of rubbish. The guy has played, um, he's played with four at the back. He's played with three in midfield or two in midfield. He's had to adapt. I, I mean, you cannot understate quite, uh, you cannot overstate, sorry, quite how big a deal it is to lose Quincy Promise because the shape of the team is totally different. You take him out of the side and the replacement realistically is availing Popov and he's not a winger. He's an attacking midfielder, and um, if I'm being quite honest, a relatively limited one at that. Um, Pedro Rocha, in theory, should be a replacement, but he's he's never been trusted, and I actually don't think he would be too bad. But he's nowhere near Quincy Promises' no. level of ability, so you have to change how the whole team plays, and he's done that, and he still took them to, and he's, they still are, like I say, one point behind second. I mean, is is that really that disastrous a situation? No, it's not. And I mean, the one thing you can maybe argue is that they struggled in the Europa League, right? Where they've only taken one point from the first two, but really only the result against Rapid Vienna was a bad one. Um, to lose in against them, an Austrian side. Okay. Well, that's not great. Mm. But to take a point from Villarreal is a good result. And, and, and to have come back to a winning position, they were yeah. so close to winning that game. Yeah. I mean, Villarreal are. One of the, one of the better sides in, in La Liga. And that is one of the strongest leagues in the world. And here's Sparta at Moscow taking the game to them, being attacking, showing a bit of verve, showing a bit of energy and, and having the characters come back. I mean, it's just agonizing in a way that they did concede late on. But I mean, I just, it, I'm exasperated. I thought finally, are we starting to see a, a big side? fulfill their potential are are Spartak just going to Spartak again and unfortunately mm. they have Spartak in spectacular fashion yeah the Leonid Fadun did um, <laughs> yeah so the guy that comes in is Raul Riancho he's not the one who comes in he is the he was the assistant coach he was brought in in the summer and we actually chatted quite a bit about him back then with Vadim right and um, the reason why we chatted with him about Raul Riancho is because he was the man behind what many deemed the success, Sergei Repov's success at Dynamo Kiev a few years ago when they won the title two times in a row. Um, he's, a, he's a man that works very hard with his players. He's very good at identifying the right players. He's then went to the Ukrainian national team and helped uh, Andrei Chevchenko. Um, it's no coincidence that when Riancho left, Dynamo Kiev started to struggle. So with Raul Riancho, they have a man coming in 
um, it's taking the reins for a short bit. Although with Spartak, you never know. He could be the, the long-term solution even. Uh, <laughs> similar to what Massimo Carrera, long-term, I mean, uh, two years, a year, 10 months, you know, that kind of long-term. Um, next time Leonid Fidun wakes up, not wanting to see someone's face anymore, kind of long-term. Um, I think that's an interesting, it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do next. I, I think that with Raul Riancho, they have at least a, a stopgap because Raul Riancho does very good work. And I think that sometimes you get that manager bounce, right? In their first game, when you fire yeah. a manager, the, the, the squad seems to react. So I, I think that it will be an interesting game against the, the, the Rangers. And I think they might have even have a chance to win that one because that's how football works. Um, Andrew, have you heard anything of who might come in to do this job long term? <laughs> long term. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spartak term. Um, no, I, I, I haven't. I heard somebody joke that um, Arsene Wenger's available, but ah. I really can't see him being quite, quite that foolish to tarnish his reputation by taking over at Spartak. Um, uh, I he wants believe- to take Bayern or Real Madrid. Well, I mean, that would be a slightly more appropriate um, appointment for someone of his... I mean, he, he is an absolutely fantastic um, footballing mind and any club would be lucky to have him take over. And he's, an, he's a phenomenal eye for young talent as well. So, um, I mean, if Spartak were, <laughs> if Spartak were somehow able to you know, miraculously attract Arsene Wenger, then they would have pulled off an interesting... Stroke. I would say master stroke because I don't think it would work, but it would be it would be interesting at least. But no, long term, I I haven't Manu heard. And for all we know, this could be the cover story behind the cover story. We all remember when um, Massimo Carrera was brought in um, yeah. underneath uh, Alenichev when it was a it was as good as an appointment, just waiting for Alenichev to slip up. Um, maybe this is the backup to the backup, and it, the plan. Whenever, whenever they decided, right, Riancho is our man. Maybe they already were thinking yeah. of this in advance. So that's what I was thinking you too. Know, Absolutely. It's, it's, Manu, are we are we missing the point somehow here? Are we, in fact, looking at this the wrong way? It's not Spartak being Spartak. They're actually being brilliantly prepared by already having their man in place. Perhaps this was the plan all along. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know if I'll give them that much credit. Uh, and speaking <laughs> of credit. Oh, another segue. Go. Okay. I'm looking forward Speaking to this. Speaking of credit, so we ran out of credit in terms of money. <laughs> that's Ruben Kazan because they got slammed by UEFA. <laughs> Boom! Look what I did there. I'm Ooh, just full was, of it. That was fantastic. Man, are you sure it's still only 7.30 in the morning in, in Vancouver? That's, at the, the, that's the only party. reason why I can do this. I'm still in the half delirium of sleep. Um, <laughs> yes. It's Ruben so. Kazan. It's such, I mean, this is our final topic of today, unfortunately, and I feel like we can discuss this quite a long time too, but everyone saw this coming. It's kind of like a train rushing towards a car and we all know what's going to happen. It's going to hit it and it's going to go up and explode, right? Yeah. We all knew this was happening already when they restructured the club into whatever they tried to do there, the limited uh, liability company that they created and turned Corbin Berdeev into an owner and uh, the sporting director into an owner and um, Semi making it independent from the Republic of Tatarstan and Tatnev, the oil company that uh, runs the club. 
this was all done to to limit this damage and the, uh, i say limit this damage because the ban is actually uh, it sounds a lot worse when you first do the readings because it's a two-year ban or it's a for, it's a two-year ban by uefa but in reality it's only um, a ban that extends over two years over the next two years should ruben kazan qualify for the europa league and then it's one year so they are appealing this decision and I chatted to you off the pod and said, look, they have to because it's a limited liability company. They yeah. are required to protect their shareholders. So they have to do every measure to sort of say, okay, well, we tried everything. Uh, you know, we went to CAS in, in Lausanne and they said, no, this is a fair punishment. And we actually kind of knew, but we had to try anyways. Um, and this yeah. is a very fair punishment because when you, they, they had an out of court settlement agreement with UEFA. You know, where one of those things that PSG always violates and Manchester City always violates. Uh, Ruben Kazan don't have quite the size of club or an entire country backing them, only a little republic. So I guess they had to get punished. Um, I'm saying this with tongue, <laughs> tongue, tongue in twist, uh, because I, I do think that UEFA measures different teams, um, differently. Um, I think that financial fair play. Uh, what could possibly make me say that PSG spending 400 million euros on two players without getting punished makes me say that. But, um, I think in some ways there is still some fairness to this because Ruben Kazan also yeah. didn't play, pay money to outstanding, outstanding salaries, etc. So I think they actually quite, they did quite well to limit this damage, right, Andrew? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it is a, it's a proportionate punishment simply because it's, it's basically saying to them, look, there's no point you going into Europe for a couple of years until you let the measures you put in place run through, i.e. pay up all the debts, um, get your squad salary down, get everything in shape. Look, just take two years. It's not, it's not, I don't even feel like it's a, it's a sort of heavy punishment. I think they're really just saying, look, we're looking after you in a way. We're, we're saying, do two years, just forget about Europe, get yourself in order. We recognize you made the measures, so we're not going to fine you. I, I think it's, I think it, everybody wins. Um, and I think if they, Andrew, if I've read this right, if they qualify this year, then they, if they qualify for Europe, they, I mean, they can't qualify, but if they do qualify this year, the next year, the punishment is off. Well, yes, basically, as, as my understanding is, it's, it's basically a one year ban if they, if they qualify. So Over the next two years, year. yeah. So if they don't qualify this year and they do qualify next year, then it's one year next year. And I, I think that's fair enough. I think, honestly, it makes sense. Um, and to be fair to Ruben Kazan, they have they've brought in a couple of players into their first team lineup recently, um, uh, Igor and Ivan Konovalov. And, you know, you bring those sort of younger players in, then it's well, it's well, it makes more sense than just... Paying, I don't know, 20, 30, 40,000 euros a week to somebody who's got a bit of a reputation in Europe. Um, the Javi Gracia summer transfer window was just the most idiotic one yeah. I've ever seen. I'm not blaming him entirely. I'm just simply saying that when he came in, not his probably, not probably his doing for the large part. But the point is they are looking like a more sustainable club than they have in, I'd say about 12 months ago. And I think the punishment recognizes that. So I think it's, I think it's a fair deal all round. Yes, I think so too. And I think if they're smart, they'll just go and qualify this year, um, and have it done and over with. And I think there's a good chance. I mean, they're looking good in the standings. Did you mention yep. Javier yep. Cassia? All the money that they spend and all these different players that they brought in and 
Um, mm -hmm. And in fairness, it was Tottenham that that made all those transfers because they had these ambitions to win the title, right? And didn't quite recognize that that's the, the way they were approaching it was not the way to approach it. Uh, Corbin Bediev knows this league inside out. I think he's one of the best managers in the world, maybe even when it comes to tactics. And um, I think he... I think they have a good chance. And I think for them, it means, okay, well, look, we, have, we don't have the pressure really. If we finish fourth or fifth, um, that's fine. We'll just get that ban over with. And then, um, we'll keep rebuilding the side because we, it, it, there's no point winning yeah. the title this year because it's just like a lost Champions League season, right? So I, I think yeah. in a lot of ways, this punishment will actually work okay for them. Um, interesting to see what the CAS is going to say. I, think they will probably uphold it and um yeah, yeah. andrew yeah. andrew that's it we've run out of time uh, i think you have to go and watch a football game um, but before you go yeah. and watch that football game where can people find you online and what have you been up to uh yeah i'm on on twitter at andrew mij flint and i will be planning in the next few days three trips to cover more football so you can follow me on my social media accounts at that address one to Orenburg one to Yekaterinburg and one most glamorously to Moscow to hopefully follow and report on Spartak against Rangers and Cisco Moscow against Roma so that's what's coming up for me oh I'm jealous yes but Manny if it helps you not feel too jealous there isn't a great buffet at any of those clubs uh, I don't know if there still is going to be a buffet once I get back to Munich <laughs> <laughs> you, you better not you better not scare them away from the buffet before I get to go otherwise I'm not going to be happy <laughs> uh, that was my you know everyone worries about freedom of speech and press freedom and all that kind of stuff after the Bayern press conference my first thought was oh my god they're going to cancel the buffet <laughs> soft freedom of speech that's that buffet <laughs> yeah it's, it's a, the Bayern buffet I, I, I'm worried I'm like yeah yeah save Schubert the cook Save him. Anyways, um, yeah, uh, if I'm not at the Bayern Buffet, you can find all my work at the, at Football Grad Live. That's, that's where this podcast is. That's where the, the glorious, if you want to find out about the Bayern Buffet and everything that's going on at Bayern, the Game Pressing Podcast episode number 100 was published, um, last, yesterday. Archie Rent-Tunt came on and he's a fantastic guest. And yeah, um, please give that a listen. And, uh, yeah, you can find that all at Football Live. You can follow me at Manuel Veth. And Andrew, until next week, hopefully with a recovered Tim Bokta chef, Dosvidanje. get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper and now adult beverages with drizzly drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer wine and spirits then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes and right now drizzly's giving all new customers five dollars off their first order just enter promo code easy five at checkout 
Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.